Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. How many of you love the Word of God? Thank God for His Word. Let's open up our Bibles to Luke's Gospel, chapter 16. We want to continue our lessons on the faith message. The faith message. We begin reading here at verse 19. But before we do, let's have a word of prayer and prepare ourselves to receive from God's Word. Our Heavenly Father, we approach your Word with reverence and humility, knowing that your Spirit is the unveiler, unfolder of your Word. And so, precious Holy Spirit, teach us, guide us, direct us in the revelation truth. Enlarge our capacity to receive revelation knowledge and flood our minds with the lightnings of your glory so that our minds can be renewed and transformed, our lives being transformed by it. Father, we hold your word in high esteem. You'll watch over it to perform it. It will not return void. It will accomplish that which you please and prosper under the thing whereunto you sent it. Now we thank you for it. We receive it with receptive hearts, with attentive ears, with open minds, and we now channel ourselves to receive from your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. There was a certain man that was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar whose name was Lazarus, which was laid at at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed from the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. It came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom, and also the rich man died. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeing Father Abraham afar off, and cried and said, Father Abraham, Father Abraham, Have mercy on me and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in these flames. Abraham said, Remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest good things, likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you there was a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence cannot, to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren that he may testify to them, lest they also come into his place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose 
from the dead. I've been teaching about the different kinds of faith. You know, sometimes I think Christians are just naive. We just figure that faith is faith, put it in a sack, shake it up, that's it. One kind of faith. You got faith? Oh, I got faith. It's called faith in God. But you know, there's more than just one kind of faith. There's more than just one type of faith. There are different kinds of faith. And so, we've been discussing and teaching along the lines of different kinds of faith. Number one, we talked about the first kind of faith was creative faith. How many of you remember that? Creative faith. That's the faith God used to create the worlds. We talked about Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, that says that we understand that by faith the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And the emphasis we put was on the fact that God said and it was so. Everybody remember that? God said and it was so. God said light be, light was. God said, let the earth bring forth, and the earth brought forth. God said it was. That's called creative faith. The ability to use faith to create the things that we see from the things that are not seen. Well, then we went on to talk about dominating faith. Dominating faith. Sometimes it's hard for us on this end to visualize some of these things, but whether we do or not, whether we ever do or not, they're true. And when we enter into the other side, you're going to see that they're true. But man was given dominion over all the works of God's hands. Man was told to have dominion over all the earth, over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, and be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth. Have dominion. And we said that that dominion gave to that man dominating faith. Dominating faith. He had dominion over all the works of God's hands. Well, what do you mean he had dominion? Well, he could rule the universe. He could rule the creation. He was the God over the works of creation. The ruler. Well, we said that man lost his dominion when he sinned. How many of you know that? He sinned against God. He lost that dominion. When he lost that dominion, he lost dominating faith. Instead of being the ruler, he became the ruled. He was ruled by the devil, the world, and the flesh. He once was the ruler over the world, the devil, and the flesh. But all of a sudden, he becomes ruled by the devil, the world, and the flesh. He becomes subject to his own body. Subject to the environment around him. And worst of all, subject to the devil, the arch enemy of God. Satan became the god of this world, the ruler of this world, and he began to exercise authority over man. Never should have been, my brothers and sisters, never should have been. Then came Jesus. We talked so much about dominating faith. It's hard for us to imagine this and think about these things, but listen to me. When Jesus came to the earth, he proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that man was in a position of authority when he was created. He ruled the devil. And we emphasize he did it the same way God did it in creation. He said to the devil, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. 
He said to him, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. It is written, he said. And the devil had to do what? Had to flee. So he ruled the devil as a man, not as God, as a man. And then he ruled his flesh in the Garden of Gethsemane as he was in prayer. The temptation has come not to carry out the will of God, but he said, not my will be done, but thine will be done. So he didn't yield, you see, to any weakness in the flesh. He didn't yield himself over to any temptation. He ruled and dominated the flesh and also the world system around him. What, what a beautiful thing it was to watch. One marvels when you read the Gospels and you think about what this man did. Walked out on the sea. He ruled it. Told it to stand still. Peace be still. And the winds obeyed and the water and the sea obeyed him. How? By what he sent to it. Peace be still. He ruled it. Dominated it. He ruled death. Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound in grave clothes. Loosen and let him go. What kind of a man is this? Oh, if our scientists want to do a study, they should study the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. If they want to study someone who knew about the law of physics, hallelujah, it was the Lord Jesus Christ. He could walk on the water. He knew about some laws that man's not aware of. Do you see? Dominating faith. Is that so far out of our reach that we can't do the same thing? My brothers and my sisters, Jesus said unto us, have the faith of God, have the God kind of faith. And if you were to say to that mountain, be removed, it would. And if you were to tell that tree to die, it would. Curse it, it would do. Just like I did. He came to show the reality of the dominion man had when he was created by God over all the earth. We call this dominating faith. He ruled the universe. We spent a lot of time on that. And we can go on and on and on how he ruled the universe and just marvel at all the things. But we want to get home. We want to get to where we are, where we live. We can exercise the same kind of faith, dominating faith, but there's a type of faith that you've got to have first before you exercise dominating faith, and that's this faith. It's found in Ephesians chapter 2. Don't turn to it. I'll quote it to you. I want you to stay here. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 says, For by grace are ye saved through some says, I don't believe in that faith message. I wonder if you're saved. For by grace are you saved through what? Through faith. Saving faith. Number three. Kinds of faith. Creative faith. Dominating faith. Saving faith. This is the most important faith you'll ever possess. It should be dear to your heart. It's called saving faith. I never heard it being said that way before. Well, it's true. And since we wrote down number three, you might as well write down number four because we're going to talk about these two faiths together. Saving faith, religious faith. Saving faith, Religious faith. They go hand in hand. How many of you know that Paul said in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all those that will believe, unto the Jew first and also unto the Greek. The gospel, the word of God, 
is the power of God unto salvation, unto being saved. What's he talking about? Being saved from what? You ever try to witness to somebody and they say, what do I need to be saved from? What are you talking about? Saved. I don't understand this saving business. What do you mean be saved? Saved from what? Well, when man lost that dominion, he also lost relationship with God. When he lost the relationship with God, he had no way back to God. And since man was created an eternal spirit being, he became a criminal. An eternal criminal. And because the Supreme Court of Heaven is just, man was sentenced to life in prison. We see this in a twofold working. Number one, hell. Number two, the lake of fire. What do you mean by that? Number one is hell. Number two, the lake of fire. This rich man went to where? Hell. That's a jailhouse. That's like the county jail where he sits under indictment waiting to be sentenced. Just like someone who is in the jail, he's waiting to be sentenced by the judge. Well, you see, this... This place called hell where this man was in these torments, he's there waiting to be sentenced or waiting to be judged before he is entered into what is called the second death, which is the lake of fire. That's like the federal prison of eternity. You say, I don't understand this language. What's this all about? Well, when man committed sin, being an eternal spirit being... He would live forever. How many of you know that we don't like criminals running around in our streets? We put them where? In jail. Now think about this. If man is an eternal spirit being who will never die throughout all eternity, God had to establish some type of a place to keep these men off the streets. Do you see that? He had to have some place of confinement so that they wouldn't just run loose and rampant and just carry on their works. Oh, yeah, the devil makes it look like he's got control over things down here. I'm going to tell you something right now. He don't have control over anything. One by one, as they go on down there into that prison house of suffering, they're awaiting judgment. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. But they're awaiting judgment, and their judgment, it's already been revealed to us in the book of Revelation, the great white throne judgment, death and hell gave, gave up. The grave and hell gave up their dead, and they came before the white throne judgment. They came before the Lord Jesus Christ, and they were sentenced into the lake of fire, which burneth forever and ever, which is the second death, where no man shall ever escape, which was prepared for the devil and his angels. Why? Because they are eternal spirit beings, and since eternal spirit beings never die, what's God going to do? Let the devil run loose forever? No. His days are numbered. So he's got to get him and all his advocates and all his cohorts and every man that wants to side in with him, and he has a place of confinement. Right now, first, hell. No one's in the lake of fire yet. But this place called hell, that's where this rich man was. And then second death is into the lake of fire. If you enter into hell, there's no way you're going to get out of that place and be judged righteous and go to heaven. No way. Once you enter in there, you're just waiting judgment until you get into the second death, which is the lake of fire. Found in the 20th chapter of the book of Revelation. Okay. What do we need to be saved from? Eternal damnation. Now, whether we recognize it or not or realize it or not, there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And sometimes, you know, 
We get along the lines of faith and preaching faith, and sometimes we don't want to neglect these things, but these things are true. Whether we can't, you know, come to, to realize this or not, there's a heaven to gain, and there is a hell to shun. And it's evident this here man who was a rich ruler, who fared sumptuously and was clothed in purple and fine linen. I'm talking about expensive things, my friends. And by the outward appearance, this man looked like he had it all together in life. He was so wealthy and so rich, he could just wipe his uh, mouth, you know, just with the bread and throw it down on the ground. That's what they did. So that the dogs could come and eat the bread off the floor. And this rich man did this at his table, threw the bread down, and all this beggar wanted, all this Lazarus wanted, he just wanted to come and just get a hold of someone's bread that he wiped his mouth with, threw it down on the ground. He was so hungry just to eat. That's all he wanted. Just to eat some of the bread that fell from the rich man's table. And this man wouldn't even lie down there because the dogs came and it licked up the bread and licked up his sores. And there he is. Is it not amazing how a man who doesn't believe in God, who doesn't care about an individual, who doesn't care about common people, who only cares about his own belly and his own things, his own wealth, his own riches, all of a sudden he spends one minute in hell, becomes a preacher. Think about it. Father Abraham... I got five brothers on earth. Send somebody. Hold, tell them, preach the gospel. Get them. I don't want them to come here. Send Lazarus. Didn't care about Lazarus. Didn't want to give him the time of day. Didn't care if he laid on the ground, licking up, you know, dogs licking up his source. He didn't care. All of a sudden, Lazarus, come over here. Send him over. Dip his finger in water and cool my tongue. I'm so tormented in this flame. God becomes a preacher. Boy, isn't it amazing how our thinking changes when we leave the body. Physical things don't mean anything. Spiritual things mean everything. He was aware of the fact he was eternally lost. He began to pray. Out of hell, he began to pray. It was so horrible, so horrifying, so bad... When he saw he couldn't do anything for himself, he stopped praying for himself, started praying for his brothers. Shows me we have an intellect. Shows me the spirit of man can be in pain. I'm tormented in this flame. His body wasn't there yet. Shows me he was aware. He had his mental faculties. He was aware of his brethren. He was aware of another world. He was aware of a place of comfort and the place he was in. And the gulf fixed between the two. And there he was. Becomes a preacher. Well, he neglected one thing. He had faith in money. He had faith in power and authority. He had faith in his position. But he had, did not have saving faith. Religious faith will not save you. When I talk about religious faith, I mean faith in money. I mean faith in religion, any creed, any doctrine, any belief. For by grace are you saved through faith, saving faith. But faith in the traditions of men will never save anybody. I'll prove that to you. Mark's Gospel, chapter 7, and verse 13. What do we need to save ourselves from? From the torments of hell and the second death. 
This is the most precious message you'll ever hear with your ears. It is the most precious faith you'll ever come in contact with. You can go to heaven with a sick body. You can go to heaven with a sick mind. But bless God, you can't go to heaven without saving faith. Notice, we're saved through faith, and this saving of man is called the new creation. How many of you know that? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or creation. Hold that thought, and we'll go on. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 7, and in verse 13, Jesus is talking to the religious, some of the religious men. And he says to them in verse 13, Making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which you have delivered, and many such like things you do. Notice, you make the word of God ineffective through tradition. Now listen to this. If for by grace are you saved through faith, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and bideth forever... If tradition and religious faith and religious traditions makes the word of God ineffective or of none effect without effect, it means the word of God then won't have any effect on our hearts to save us. Religious faith will not save us, cannot save us, because it makes the word ineffective. I want you to notice that the man said, well, if you send somebody from the dead, like Lazarus, and he goes to my brother's house, they will hear him, and then they'll be saved. And Abraham said, if they hear not Moses, the law of the prophets, then they will not hear, even if a man was raised up from the dead. Now, of course, Jesus was raised up from the dead, and we know that. But I want you to see... There's also others that were raised up from the dead. How many of you know that? Other than Jesus. There were others. I mean, Lazarus was raised up from the dead. We know that. And I'm sure he talked about his incident going down there in Abraham's bosom. I believe that. But you know, there'll still be men on earth that won't believe it. I'm going to give an example and show you how religious faith... And you know, just because we're full gospel people doesn't mean we don't have religious faith. I find a lot of faith in full gospel people. Some in the area, some could be professing Christians and not really be saved. Some can use religious faith in other areas of life, like in praying for healing. That can be religious faith that's released instead of saving faith or delivering faith, revelation faith. But let me give you an example here. Remember when Nicodemus came to Jesus by night? And he said, being a leader of the Pharisees, uh, one of the rulers of the Pharisees, and he said, We know that thou art a man that's come from God, because no man can do these miracles except he be sent from God. Well, Nicodemus was a Pharisee, and a Pharisee, he's one, a Pharisee, uh, the sect, the Pharisees, that's the most strict sect in the Jewish religion in the day of Jesus. Most strict. I mean to tell you, when you talk about strict, it means to be separate, to separate oneself, a Pharisee. They were so strict, these Pharisees. They devoted themselves to paying a tenth of all they possessed. In addition to that tenth, they paid temple tax. In addition to that, 
They wouldn't eat with unwashing hands. They wouldn't touch anyone that was defiled with sickness or disease. They wouldn't touch a dead animal. They wouldn't touch anybody that came in contact with a dead animal. They separated themselves. They fasted twice a week. They prayed every day. They wore their robes. They went into the synagogues. They liked to be called rabbi, rabbi, teacher. They felt they were the only ones that could interpret the Word of God. They prized themselves in living the law to its highest degree, having faith, the highest degree of faith in the law of Moses. And they lived that law to a T. Remember... Paul said, Saul of Tarsus became Paul, but he said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 5, he said, as a Pharisee, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. As touching the law, I was blameless. Here's a pious man. I mean, here's somebody, as far as he's concerned, he is living the law to the letter of the law. I mean, he's not breaking any law, no adultery, no fornication, not coveting, nothing. I mean, he's living the law to the best of his ability, praying every day, giving all of his substance, doing all that he can. This is a Sanhedrin, Nicodemus. He's a leader in the Jewish religion. I mean, he's a Pharisee of the Pharisee also. He's an example. I mean, and he comes before Jesus in the nighttime, evidently convicted because of what Jesus did. And he said, I know you come from God. Jesus said, he didn't even talk about it. Doesn't talk about where he came from. He talks about you, Nicodemus. He said, you. He said, except you be born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. Wait a minute. You mean a man that prays and every day and fasts twice a week and gives all that he has, tenth of all that he has, plus pays taxes on top of that, plus doesn't touch anything that would defile. I mean, he won't even eat with dirty hands because he feels the devil will come into his spirit. This guy who prays every day, and I mean, they look up to him and call him Rabbi. Rabbi, you mean to tell me that this man, Jesus said, this man needs to be born again? What did this man have? He possessed what we call religious faith. He had faith in his religion. He thought his religion would, would get him to heaven. From the same gospel that Elijah knew, you better believe it. From the same gospel that Abraham knew, you better believe it. Abraham, Elijah, the prophets, Isaiah, Daniel, the Hebrew children. You look, these men, these individuals, they stand out. Why? Because they receive something called faith in God through the Word to be saved. These, they took the same Word that the others had, and instead of receiving saving faith from it, they got religious faith out of it. Do you see that? They had faith in what they were doing. They had faith in their religion. That's what they believed was going to save them because they go to church. They do this. They do that. They do this. Along with religious faith comes faith in penance. Faith in penance. Believers, listen to me. If you ever find yourself as a, as a New Testament believer, born-again believer, and your lifestyle is something like this, I don't feel so good today. I... A little bit down. I've been reading my Bible for a while, a little bit convicted. I'll go to the Word and I'll read and study for an hour. I got done reading and studying for an hour. I feel great. Hallelujah. I feel great. Then other weeks, you know, week goes by, same situation, same thing. And you find yourself doing the same thing and finally getting back to the Word or saying a few prayers, praying for somebody. And then you find yourself feeling a whole lot better because you did those things. Do you know what you've developed? You've developed religious faith. Faith in your works. Penance. I used to, when I was being raised, I used to go to, to a confessional and do penance. I was unregenerate. I was not born again. But if I walked through those doors and said, 
my sins and walked out through the doors and was told to say ten prayers. I, I would kneel down and say ten prayers. After those ten prayers, I'll tell you what. Oh, man, look out. You'll see me tomorrow morning at the altar. I wouldn't have gone there before I walked in that door and said ten prayers. What is this thing? I say ten prayers. I'm a good guy. Penance. What is this thing? Help your mom do the dishes. Hey, no more sin. Good. But you know what? I used to believe it. I had a strong religious faith, didn't I? But think about it. Where did it get me? Just like, I'll show, you want to see where, it, where it'll get you? I'll show you something. Look at Matthew. What does God think about this religious faith? Matthew, I'm glad you asked. Matthew chapter 23. <clears throat> religious faith. Faith in doing works. I fast and pray and I feel better. That makes me good. See, my brothers and sisters, that's, we can get caught up in a religious faith. Even in Pentecostal circles, yes. Even in full gospel circles, yes. We can start developing our religious faith and for, forget about the true saving faith, the delivering faith, the faith that gets us delivered. You can have religious faith in healing. You religiously believe in laying hands on the sick and they'll recover. You religiously believe that. And if, if that's all you believe is religiously, you never get any healing. You won't get any. Because that faith makes the Word of God of none effect. Matthew 23, verse 1. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do, but do not ye after their works. For they say, note, underline this, for they say and do not. What's the key to faith? What you say and do. Corresponding action. What's the key to faith? How did God create the world? God said it was. God spoke, it became. What's the key to dominating faith? Jesus said to that tree, and it died. What he said, he believed from his heart, and the actions corresponded. What these men believed in did not give them a power or ability to carry out what they believed in. They said it, but they didn't do it. Okay, that's called hypocrisy. Verse 4, For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be born and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their flatteries and enlarge the borders of their garments and love the uppermost seats, rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets and to be called of men rabbi, rabbi. Be ye not called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all your brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. When I read that, ho. When I first read that, I want you to know my eyes got very wide opened. I used to call men father on the earth, religiously speaking. And when I read that, Jesus said. It doesn't matter what man says, it matters what Jesus said. And when I saw that Jesus said, don't call any man fat father upon the earth, it may be out of respect for man, but it's out of disrespect for the Father God. I will repeat that. It's out of respect. It may be out of respect for man, but it's in disrespect to the Father God. Jesus said, call how many men father? Now, you can call your earthly father father, but you can't call any religious man father. Don't. And I want you to know my eyes were wide open. I found out how religious I was. I didn't know that was in the Bible. 
Well, what is God? This is Jesus speaking now. What's Jesus think about this great man, so holy, so from the outward appearance? I mean, he does all these marvelous things. Maybe half of you don't pray and fast twice a week. See what I mean? Holy, holy men, pray every day, fast twice a week. Keep the law to the letter. Blameless from an outward appearance. Pay all the tithes and, and give more to the church. Okay, look at this. Verse 10. Neither be ye called master, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. What? They're not going to heaven? If these men can't go there, if these Pharisees can't go there, that live such holy, decent lives, what's God saying to us? Look at the next verse. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for pretense make long prayer. Thank God for short prayers. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. Whoa. Someone said, the shorter the prayer, the closer you are to heaven. Amen. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, you make him twofold more of the child of hell than yourselves. Wait a minute. From an outward appearance, these men look like the holiest men. See, I'm trying to take you back to Jesus' day. If you saw these men walking on the street, you'd walk by, I'll tell you what, you'd be very pious. You'd say, hey, you know what they do? Pray every day, hour upon hour. See them banging their head against the wall, praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. I mean, how in the world are you going to get there? They do that all day. See, you work. They don't. <laughs> Let's forget that. Verse 16. Woe unto you, you, you blind guides. Blind guides which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it's nothing, but whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. You fools and blind, for whether is greater the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold. And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing, but whosoever sweareth by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty. You fools and blind. Jesus is talking to these holy men. You fools and blind, for whether is greater the gift or the altar that sanctifieth the gift. Whoso therefore shall swear by the altar, swear by it, and by all things thereon. And whoso shall swear by the temple, swear by it, and by him that dwelleth therein. And he that shall swear by heaven, swear by the throne of God, and by him that sitteth thereon. Who? Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. You blind guides, which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel? Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you may clean the outside of the cup. From an outward appearance you look good, and the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like under whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous, and say, If we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore, be, ye be witnesses unto yourselves that you are the children of them which kill the prophets. Fill ye up than the measure of your fathers. You serpents, you generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? My brothers and my sisters, 
You look over the religious world today and people think that they're going to make it into heaven. People think that they're righteous because they're religious. Because they go to church. Because they do a lot of... We've got a lot of professing Christians. We see something here. Religious faith will not save you. Religious faith will not get you into heaven. And even though if a man was sent from the dead, Abraham said, even though a man was raised up from the dead, still they wouldn't hear. Still they wouldn't believe. Still they wouldn't receive. Jesus told them about the religious faith. Jesus told this Nicodemus, although you're a Pharisee, although you believe and do all that you do, although you look righteous and holy from the outside, within you're full of dead men's bones. And he said, you must be born again. And except you be born again of the Word and of the Spirit, you'll in no wise enter into the kingdom of God. And he stood there. He was sincere. He says, how can I enter back into the second time to my mother's womb and be born again? How can I do that? Is that possible? And Jesus said, he that's born of the flesh is flesh, but he that's born of the Spirit is spirit. You must be born of the water and of the Spirit into the family of God. You don't get there by religious works or traditions, but you get there by way of the new birth. Now, Abraham said, although someone be sent from the dead, they wouldn't hear. Well, listen to me. Many times you'll hear me talk about Brother Kenneth E. Hagin. And at this time, I'd like to just share with you an experience so that we can see today that the same thing is true. Although God sends men back from the dead, people still will not hear. And I'm saying this for a reason. Not to put down any denomination, but I'm saying this for a reason. A very important reason. Here's a man who was raised as a Southern Baptist. First 16 years of his life. Here's a man who was baptized in water. Religion, okay? Baptized in water. And when they're baptized in water, they are to make a profession about Jesus Christ and what they believe. Okay? As a Southern Baptist. Now listen to me. 7.30 7.30 in the morning, he died, and his spirit left his body, and began a descent. Well, I'm saying this, please find Isaiah chapter 14, start with verse 9. His spirit left his body, and he began to descend into the lower regions of the dam. It went down and down and down, and the lights of the earth grew dim. And it became darker and darker and darker. It became darker and darker. It was so dark, he said, I can't even see my hand if I put it up to my nose. I can't even see my hand. It's that dark. I can't even see it. Well, there he was. He says, and I stood at the porthole of hell, and somebody took me by the shoulder, put his arm around me, and was about to escort me. Let's read this scripture while we're saying this. Look at verse 9. 14.9 Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. It stirreth up the dead for thee, even all the chief ones of the earth. It hath raised up from their thrones all the kings of the nations. All they shall speak and say unto you, Art thou also become weak as we? Art thou become like unto us? Thy pomp is brought down to the grave, and the noise of thy vials, the worm is spread under thee, and the worms cover thee. This is a picture of King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian emperors when they entered into hell. As they entered into hell, 
hell from beneath was moved to greet thee at thy coming. The kings and the princes of the powers of darkness that are dethroned and brought down to the pit were moved to meet and to greet King Nebuchadnezzar. And there he was, entering in, and he stood at the portals of hell, and as he began to enter in, yeah, the procession that went before, it was not like the greeting that he got up there when he was, you know, in his kingdom. It was not like walking out into the courtyard and having all them make a big to-do about, you know, him and his ministry, his, his reign, and how great the king is, and make songs and sing and have a good time. There he was. He found himself walking into uh, the pit. He found himself there in the region of the dam. He saw that hell was moved from beneath to greet him at his coming. And as he went into that place, it says, these princes were stirred up. They woke up. They came over to him and they said, we got you. Have you become as weak as we are now? You reigned on the earth so great and strong and mighty, but now you've come down to where we are. Now you see the fallen state in which we are in. And the worms and the maggots and the, and, and, and the serpents begin to just coil around him, around his spirit. We see this other rich man, he's in, you know, flaming fire and torment. And we see him down there, held moved to meet him and to greet him, escort him right into his domain, right there with all the others that are in hell. And Brother Hagin said, there I was. I was there. I was brought to the porthole of hell. I was right there before the porthole of hell. I saw the porthole, and I knew if I went across that threshold, I was there for an eternity. I'd never come out. When all of a sudden he heard a voice come out of heaven, spoke in an unknown tongue, language, shook the regions of the dam, he went back into his body. Three times in a ten-minute period, he died and went down and stood before the porthole of hell and was about to be escorted right into hell itself for eternal damnation. He says, I was consciously aware of the fact that if I crossed the threshold, I would be there for an eternity. Send them back from the dead, they say, and then they'll believe and then they'll hear. Well, he came back the third time. And he said, on that third time, he said, making his descent, now listen to me. He cried out and said, Lord, I belong to the church. I've been baptized in water. I belong to the church. I've been baptized in water. Down. His voice echoed throughout the dark regions. Down. Lord, I belong to the church. I shouldn't be going down here. I belong to the church. Down. Darker. Darker. Finally, the last time he was coming up, he was conscious of the fact that religious faith doesn't save anybody. You can profess to be a Southern Baptist. You can profess to be a Pentecostal. You could have been baptized in water. If you only exercise religious faith, it doesn't mean anything. Only do it because our neighbor did it or because our parents did it or somebody else did it. It doesn't mean anything. He was baptized in the church. He was baptized in water, but it didn't, didn't amount to anything. He was going, he was going to be lost. And he cried out the last time up to his body. And he cried out and he said, Oh Lord, forgive me, a sinner. And he says, I came back into my body and I was calling upon the name of the Lord and I was saved. Is it possible that someone could belong to a, such a denomination, any denomination, any church, and be baptized in water and not be saved? Religious faith. Listen to me now, please. Religious faith is, the, is an enemy of saving faith. Religious faith puts more people in hell than anything else. 
Those Pharisees were about to go there. Most religious people you ever saw. Saving faith is the most precious faith. And I heard him just recently at a seminar. His Holy Spirit seminar. Oh, as humble as he could. And in the most loving way as he could. He stood there before the masses of people. And he said, see, he came back from the dead to tell them. And you know what? People still don't believe. Jesus came back from the dead. They don't believe. Lazarus came back from the dead. Still don't believe. Many others. Plus, Brother Hagin came back from the dead. Told his own people. They don't believe. All fairy tales. Is that right? He stood there as humble as he could. You could just see the tears coming in his eyes. He said, if anybody's ever been there. You know why that man became a preacher in Luke 16? He says, if anybody ever saw hell or ever experienced seeing what hell is like, you'd be a preacher of righteousness and truth without reservation. You do anything but preach. That's all you do, man. Preach. He said, and I stood there. I saw, I watched him. He stood, he said, Oh, Father, I thank you that you did not let me go to hell. I could just see the tears in his eyes. Thank you that you did not let me go to hell. I was one step, he said, from crossing the threshold. One step. How many get that second chance? I was one step. If I had crossed over, it would have been it for an eternity. I thank you that you didn't let me go to hell. Saving faith. How do we get saving faith? It's the same thing in every area of our belief as a, as, a, as a Pentecostal. Listen to me. You can have religious faith in the Holy Ghost and other tongues. Did you know that? Just a religious faith. We just do it when we come to church. Then that's all you ever have. You can have religious faith in healing and the laying on of hands. Religious faith. It makes the Word of God ineffective. You can have religious faith like in penance. I read my Bible today. I feel great before God. But if I don't read it tomorrow, I feel ugly. You've developed religious faith. You did. You developed religious faith. Penance. But if I read it, I feel great. If I don't, I feel bad. Something's wrong down here, see. The reason why we're not reading that Bible every day, the reason why we're not praying every day, because something's wrong down here. And the thing that's going to get that changed is not because you did it today and you feel good today. That's religion. Get this right with God and you can't stop but to pray every day. Get this right with God and you can't help but to read your Bible and want to read your Bible. Get this right with God. Do you see what I'm saying? Now listen. For by grace are you saved to this precious thing called saving faith. And that salvation of man's spirit is called the new creation. Say that with me. New creation. I am a new creation. All right, now listen. First creation to creative faith. Dominating faith ruled the creation. Man fell, he needed to be saved, salvation. Saved from what I just explained to you, the torments of hell and the lake of fire. Religious faith doesn't do it. Just belief in a doctrine or a baptism or something doesn't do it. It takes faith, and faith, as we said, creative faith is what you believe and say. Dominating faith is what you believe and say. Religious faith, say it, but don't believe it. You see, they say it, but don't do it. Didn't Jesus say that about the Pharisees? Okay, now listen. Saving faith is on the same order of creative faith and the same order of dominating faith. But what saith it? 
the word of faith is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe from thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Got nothing to do with any works we've ever done. Got nothing to do with how many times you've been to church. Have you heard the word so that the word can give birth to you by the Spirit? If you haven't, I don't care if you've been baptized in water, confirmed. Uh, I, I wonder all that wasn't saved. But one day I found out the truth and I called upon the name of the Lord through what is called saving faith. And that moment, I became a new creation. Now listen, creation, the first creation, the fall, we are new creations. Recreated by God. He created us by speaking life into us. We are recreated and he can't do this for us. Are you ready? But what saith it? The word is nigh thee. The word that saves and the faith in the word that saves is nigh you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. Now the faith message is based on those principles. If that faith will get you saved, then saving faith will also get you healed if you apply it in the area of divine healing. It'll get your finances not because you've gone to church where you get your finances. Not because you've gone to church where you get your healing. Not because of, it's because of... See, don't develop religious faith in healing. Don't develop religious faith in finances. Don't believe this because you've got so many souls saved that God owes you to heal your body or to do something for you. No, you're not going to get it any other way. But by your faith, by what you believe here and say here, that's what you're going to get. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And that's what the faith message is all about. And I said from my mouth, I believe Jesus died for me, my sins. I believe Jesus was raised from the dead for me with all my heart. And I now take him as my Lord and as my Savior. And I was transformed. I was born again. Christ came into me. I became a new creation. Something that never before existed. God living inside a man. God living inside every one of us that made that decision and exercised saving faith. You want to know why Christians are defeated now? If they've been born again, they do saving faith. But they live the rest of their life with religious faith. How can you do that? Keep going to church. Keep it, and all that is great. But that old religion comes back and says... And I heard him say it to me. Well, our sister so-and-so's been going to church three times a week for 42 years. And she didn't get healed. If there was anybody that should be healed, it should be sister so-and-so. And I asked sister so-and-so, I've been going to church for 42 years. If God healed anybody, it should be me. you got religious faith. God don't heal anybody on the merit of their works. Does he? Do you see what's happened even in Pentecostal circles? Religious faith. Faith has gained the sovereignty. No, you're not going to get it any other way. Saving faith. Faith that's so bold, so strong, so vigorous, you put this faith inside your heart, you expect God's Word to do what He said it would do. I expect... You ready for this? People have religious faith in the Holy Ghost. 
He's here. Thank God. Hallelujah. Little tickle here, little tickle there. Yeah. Praise God. Nice service. Amen. Let's go home. My brother and my sister, if you've got if you've got saving faith, you know what you'll do with the Holy Ghost? Holy Spirit, Jesus said to me in John chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus said to me, Jesus said, When you come, you will guide me in all the truth. You will speak what you hear of the Father to me. You will show me future events and things to come. I'm not getting off my knees. Hallelujah. I expect you, Holy Ghost, to show me future events in my life, the life of my family, my church, whatever. I expect you to guide me into every and all of the truth of God's Word. I expect you to teach me all things. Show me things to come. I expect you. I'm using faith, saving faith, revelation faith, not religious faith. See what religious faith has done? It's made us religious people. It's made full gospel people, born-again spiritual people, religious people. It's made a lot of professing, professing Christians non-believers. Really, they're not born again. You ask some. I've talked to some to, just to make sure. You know Jesus? Oh, yeah. Been born again? Well, I'm a so-and-so. Well, you're born again. I've been baptized in water. Are you saved? Well, I hope I'm going to heaven. Do you know that you are? Well, I think I am. I go to church all the time. I'm not saying that to be funny. I'm serious. If you stood before the porthole of hell, if you was where that rich man was over there and burning, you'd become a... You talk about preacher. This man couldn't think of anything but to do but to preach down there in hell. I mean, I can't understand it. Never preached a day, you know, on the earth. All of a sudden, he's a preacher. That's how bad it is. Do you see? Faith must be channeled in the right direction in the Word of God, what God said. Otherwise, religious faith will make that Word be ineffective. You take that same Word, it'll heal your body. You take that same Word, it'll provide your finances. You take that same Word, it'll open up revelation knowledge if you expect the Holy Ghost to do that in your life. You take the faith, this kind of faith, and apply it in your life, and it'll work in every circumstance, in every instance. You'll be the strength of your life. That word, that same word, made my, my wife give birth to children when they said she couldn't. The same word heals my children and myself. The same word, not a religious faith, but faith in that word will cause our bodies to be animated and act like immortal bodies and to ward off sickness and disease. But it won't work through religious faith. It can only happen through saving faith, delivering faith, healing faith. I'm going to close by saying that that Pharisee stood before God. You know what he said? He said, I'm glad I'm not like the publican or the sinner. I come before you and I fast twice a week. I pay my tithes and I come into your presence and I thank you for who I am. The publican said, I come before you unworthy. Please forgive me of my sin. I'm a sinner. The publican was justified the religious Pharisee, so righteous in himself, not forgiven. My brothers and my sisters, this is a hard message for some to receive. Listen to me. Because there's a many good people that are professing Christians. I just don't want to see them miss God. I don't want to see them miss heaven. You know, the Bible says, check yourself and see whether or not you're in the faith. This message is not real popular, but it's in the Bible.
were to preach the whole counsel of God. Do you know you're born again? I know I am. That's all I ask. Then if we're born again, let's not live with religious faith. Let's not live with a faith that's, that's not real. Let's live with a faith that reaches God. Can you say amen? Let's reach God with our faith. We're going to do that tonight. When we come tonight, we're going to pray in the Spirit. We're going to come before God's presence. We're going to expect the Holy Ghost to cause this body of believers to be transformed and transfigured. We're going to ask the Spirit of God to fill our minds with the lightnings of His glory and make our brain cells alive with the Word and the life of God. We're going to expect Him to do what He said He was going to do. We're going to expect the anointing to come upon us. We're going to expect signs and wonders and the miraculous events to take place. We're going to rule and dominate the flesh, the world, and the devil by our faith. Anybody here got faith in God? You believe God meant what He said? Let's all stand before His presence. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.